Section three of Technocracy by William Henry Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by the Progressing America Project. Technocracy Part three Ways and Means to Gain Industrial Democracy. Editor's Note In the two preceding essays, Mr. Smith forecasts a new form of government, that which he calls technocracy, national industrial management. This article discusses ways and means to develop, guide, and direct, purpose of industrial democracy and so usher in a new commonwealth. The author suggests three practical thoughts for economic reconstruction. That permitting chance to influence our lives and conditions means ignorance. That the flow of time is not reversible, the future cannot help the present. That cause and effect, not whim, is the law in nature's processes. The Editor Social Structures Democracy and autocracy are the antitheses of social organization, and express opposite underlying principles of human interaction. The structural details of any human contrivance, whether mechanical or sociological, must be in keeping with its underlying idea. Change in principle necessarily entails functional reorganization, reconstruction. Hence ways and means that have proved effective for autocracy, or that long usage has shaped to facilitate its aims and outcomes, must needs be not only workable in, but subversive of democracy. So it will be helpful in our quest, to keep constantly and clearly in mind, the differences between these mutually exclusive notions of government. Autocracy Probably the most radical difference between these two forms of social structures is the assumed sources from which each gets its authority. Autocracy derives its powers from God. This assumption presupposes inherent social distinctions between individuals, occult privileges conferred upon some, to control the acts of others. But effectively to control acts makes requisite control of thoughts, for consecutive thought necessarily precedes purposive action. Thus, autocracy implies a God-given right of censorship over other men's physical and mental functioning. Hence, it also presupposes the non-neutrality of nature, cosmic favoritism, for clearly nature's God could not look with favor upon disobedience or lack of submission to the mandates of his authorized agents. A social organization framed upon this general idea implies constructive details, i.e., customs, laws, institutions, economics, comprising, first, a supreme control element, deriving its authority from and responsible only to a super-mundane source. Second, social instrumentalities to enforce obedience, physically coerce human actions, and supernaturally control men's thoughts. Third, a descending series of conferred authority, starting with the God-appointed ruler, and ending with the popular masses, void of rights. Thus, the measure of efficiency in this social system is the absoluteness of control, completeness of enforced obedience in act and subservience in thought, to the God-inspired will of the autocrat and his agents. Democracy Democracy derives its authority from man. This presupposes general intelligence sufficient at least for self-conscious, individual wants and mass purposes, with freedom for their pursuit. Thus it assumes super-mundane non-interference with human wants and purposes, and a rational cosmic order, corresponding or coordinated to human intelligence, in such wise as to be knowable and responsive thereto. 
a social system based upon this general idea implies constructive details in consonance with first the neutrality of nature second the inherent individual rights flowing from the facts of rational human existence third equality of individual rights thus the measure of efficiency in a democracy is to be gauged by the completeness of individual freedom of thought and liberty of action in relation to each other and of access to nature's stores resources and forces freedom and liberty being based upon rationality as determined by workability in the production of general human happiness prosperity and opportunity for self-development autocracy is based upon the idea of the essential manship i e man likeness of god and the inherent unrighteousness irrationality of man democracy is based upon the idea of the essential godship i e godlikeness of man and the inherent righteousness rationality of the universe thus we get a clear concept of our chosen social ideal and from it indications as to the character of means appropriate to or discordant therewith in other words we have on broad lines basis for rational economic conventions adapted to make effective a social system on the basic principles of democracy limitations neither by mutual agreement nor by legal enactment nor constitutional provision nor even as a concession to ancient custom and universal consent may we make two units and two units constitute five units being contrary to the facts of nature for precisely the same reasons we cannot by any or all of these social expedients successfully adopt or retain economic devices at variance with the essential principles of democracy industrial democracy purpose autocracy and democracy are both merely forms of human organization group contrivances social machines built on different basic ideas or principles machines to accomplish something a nation no less than an individual that would build or reconstruct without first clearly determining the purpose of the proposed structure would be indulging in a foolish and futile waste of energy but what our national purpose is is quite apart from the present inquiry and indeed it is not the province of an individual but of consensus to determine the ultimate national objective industrial democracy the people of the united states have however agreed and decided upon the idea of the national organization and its proximate character industrial democracy or perhaps this outcome represents the resultant of choice and circumstance be that as it may we are now consciously launched on a career of mechanistic industrial democracy and the aim of the present inquiry is to investigate the functional consistency appropriateness of the working parts of the accepted principle of the national social machine neural nature the greatest and most consequence breeding thought that has ever found lodgment in the human mind is the idea that nature is neutral toward man and in regard to all human concerns the greatest and most consequential human discovery is the orderliness rationality of nature these two concepts are the marvelously fruitful germs from which all modern science has developed and as exact science based upon experimental proof owes its continued development to machines of precision it may with ultimate significance be said that our idea and ideal of human liberty self-government as we today conceive it is one of the many wonderful products of the machine shop our mechanistic industrialism 
motor impulse of autocracy. Man's soul is free, hence rational liberty is his social motor impulse. Clearly, with an anthropomorphic god interested in human wants, wishes, purposes, and projects, and with unlimited power and inclination to meddle in human concerns, to help or hinder, to make or mar them, human freedom of thought would be futile, and human liberty of action a farce. We have seen that the motor impulse of autocracy is super-mundane in origin, its initiative is superhuman, its means are mysterious occult powers derived from above, that privilege maintained by ruthless force and cunning is an essential element, and power absolute and humanly irresponsible is its objective. These factors therefore present some criteria wherewith to gauge the validity of present economic conventions, also to test their appropriateness in a democracy, the basis of which is human experience energized by individual human initiative, likewise to measure their probable worth in a society in which the powers to do and the opportunity to be are derived from the consensus of free and equal human wills, wills subject to none, but cooperating to facilitate individual and mutual purposes, purposes socially unified in the purpose of national will. Nature Non-Ethical In the light of modern science, human experience shows that nature's dealings with man carry no moral or ethical significance than in the problems of practical mechanics. Scientifically enlightened experience teaches that humanity alone is ethical or takes account of motives. Impartially the sun warms and scorches, blesses or blasts, brings famine and plenty, life and death. The sea, the wind, earthquake and torrent, and all the forces of nature, build and destroy, with utter disregard to man or his handiworks, his hopes or his faiths, his motives or his morals. The wondrous mechanism of creative evolution performs its myriad functions no less oblivious to man's existence than are the ponderous machines of man's own devising. Nature, like them, fosters or overwhelms with heedless indifference, ruthless, pitiless, appalling to ignorance, error, and fear, but helpful, indulgent, obedient to knowledge, intelligence, and courage, neither kind nor cruel, nor good nor bad. Impersonal. Failure. In the past, with childlike faith, we have relied for support and guidance in human affairs upon the assumed beneficence of occult powers. Upon this basis, autocracy is the only conceivable form of social organization. Yet, the autocratic idea and ideal has proven, in the opinion of many, to be a disastrous failure under modern conditions, and we in the United States have decided to try its antithesis, democracy. But while discarding the old for the new ideal, we have, most illogically, retained, substantially unchanged, the effect of conventions, the ways and means of the old order. And now, with modern science and mechanics, hindered and hampered at all points, by our feudal and inappropriate economic system, we are fighting for national life and democracy against efficiently organized autocracy. Not alone, the autocracy of organized military force, but also the autocracy of systematized and unified financial cunning. Thus the urgent need for scientific reconstruction of our whole social system is multiplied many-fold, if we are to rectify our past sins against reason and retrieve our pitiful social failure. Modern Dependence on Machinery The life of the ordinary modern man differs from that of all previous times 
in his peculiar dependence upon complicated machinery machinery over which he exercises no personal control the manifold activities which in past times depended upon individual muscular effort are now performed by prime movers and power-driven machines so that the individual man's work and effort is unmeaning and useless apart from these instrumentalities of life and production thus the united states is one huge mechanistic industrial workshop the organization of these complex specialized power-driven mechanisms and the sources of power and of the raw materials with and upon which they operate together with the distribution of the output are the functions of scientific and technical industrial management there should be it would seem no room or occasion in such an arrangement for chance mystery or magic old customs that the average individual prefers old customs to new helps to account for much that is strange in present conditions but it fails to explain completely how it happens that occultism has been wholly banished from the machine shop the social producing element and remains so conspicuously interwoven in our economics the social distributive element it would seem that we are compelled to assume that our deep-seated human instinct of self-interest is the controlling factor in maintaining this incongruous combination of science and occultism it would seem that the cunning acquisitive instinct of certain exceptionally alert-minded men in the community taking advantage of the normal preference of the average man for old ways and customs and his preoccupation in his favorite workings and doings is employing these ancient and familiar usages to befog and obscure the stealthy diversion of an undue proportion of the community product if this be so it should be interesting to glance at the ways and means the prestidigitatorial bag of tricks by which it is accomplished later we will scrutinize them more closely and in greater detail money and credit the basis of mechanics in all its simple and complex expressions are two commonplace elements the wedge and the lever the basis of our economic and financial system in all its curious manifestations are also two commonplace elements money and credit here the similarity ends there is not one ordinary fourteen-year-old boy in the united states but who knows and intelligently uses the wedge and lever and there does not exist a mechanical expert who could reasonably question the practical accuracy of the boy's knowledge regarding these elements of mechanics under our present economic usages customs and laws each one of us man woman and child is compelled willy-nilly to use daily and hourly some form of money and credit and there is not in the world a man who understands either of these economic elements as the boy knows the wedge and lever nor is there an economic specialist or financial expert whose attempted explanation of either money or credit or the functions of either whose supposed elucidation would not be ridiculed and controverted by a multitude of economic and monetary experts of equal or greater authority the average man of affairs lawyer doctor editor tradesman merchant or mechanic freely admits his incapacity to understand the mysteries of finance and frankly says i don't know a damn thing about it even bankers and brokers financiers and economists whose business it is to deal in and manipulate those most remarkable commodities will quite frequently make the same honest confession of ignorance indeed the subject is common stock in the jokesmith's workshop mystery magic failure in no other department of human interest is so much mystery confusion and controversy 
regarding the basic facts and assumptions, except possibly institutional religion, which avowedly rests upon the miraculous and supernatural. Indeed, the parallelism between these two ancient activities is curiously complete. Both transcend human experience, and neither submits to the tests of science, weighing, measuring, cause-and-effect experimental proof. Credit Like our religious customs, our economic system is hoary with age, a survival from ancient Babylonian customs. It rests on assumptions unsanctioned by science, its effects are causeless, the miraculous supersedes natural causation, mystery takes the place of human reason, and endless futurity is its heavenly storehouse of all humanly desirable things. A Thievish Process From this miraculous store the wizard of finance, with his wonder-working wand, credit, filches back, for a slight present tangible consideration, and without the owner's consent. The imagined products of imagined future toil, of unborn generations of workers, a doubly thievish process, as black in morals as in magic. Money While supposedly representing lifeless things, that wear out by use, money is conventionally endowed, by financial magic, with everlasting life, and also with life's unique function, reproduction. So, money makes money, forever and ever, for the magician. Peace, superabundance, and endless idleness, retirement from business, is the promised land, flowing with milk and honey of economic sainthood, the early heaven of finance. But, never was work more urgent, nor idleness less common. Never was peace more scarce, nor strife so universal. The labor of future generations has been crazily mortgaged, by thievish economic conventions beyond all possibility of redemption. In spite of the fact that science and mechanics have multiplied manifold, the effectiveness and productiveness of present labor, and man's present vocation is social suicide, the destruction of wealth, and the slaughter of his fellow men. A stupendous and tragic record of economic folly and failure. The Mechanics Philosophy, Success The god of our nursery tradition has been banished from the machine shop and the world of mechanics. The result of this courageous spiritual declaration of independence has been our conquest of nature, our age of productive industry. Seemingly a like rending of thought shackles, a similar breaking of mental prison bars, is needed in the realm of economics. When scientific imagination and knowledge of nature's laws are substituted in our economics for chance, mystery, and magic, when the regulation of our nationwide industry is taken out of the hands of quibbling lawyers, and nature's forces, resources, and the mechanical instrumentalities for their transformation, into human necessaries and desirables, are no longer the playthings of money-juggling gamblers, and the products of nature and mechanic arts, no longer glut the instinctive craving of acquisitive cunning. When this economic childish irrationality is sanely substituted by organized science, technology, and specialized skill, coordinated in national industrial management, then will begin real civilization, the age of social sanity, technocracy. Chance Catastrophes The God of Chance, or God's mysterious providence, which permits the killing of a president by a madman, the obliteration of a great city by fire, the sinking of a huge passenger ship in mid-ocean, and a world war, are merely misleading euphemisms for human ignorance, human improvidence, and childish shirking of responsibility. Social Conventions 
our economic and financial system, which by money magic make these chance catastrophes into controlling factors in the distribution of the product of human effort, are simply tragic monuments to ignorant superstition, mental laziness, and criminal folly. Indeed, our whole economic system is so incredibly unscientific, so irrational, so utterly puerile, that were it not for custom-induced mental myopia, its glaring absurdities would long ago have sufficed, without a world war, to shock our mental sense and intelligence into effectivity. Chance in Economics A machine is certain in action and uniform in output, because scientific imagination has foreseen, and constructive intelligence has provided for, the elimination of the chance element. The forces which will devastate the results of man's industry, through the natural action of an uncontrolled torrential stream, with equal unconcern, if scientifically directed, will make the same countryside teem with human happiness, but not by chance. In like manner, the same natural social forces which make poverty, wretchedness, and vice, will, with equal unconcern, produce the opposite results, but never by chance. Human institutions founded upon chance merely express man's brute unintelligence. That our economic system makes chance a controlling factor for the distribution of wealth merely shows the persistence of ignorance and that old habits of thought are more compelling than modern intelligence. To legalize chance deliberately is to relinquish our godlike control over the results of nature's processes and thus voluntarily enslave ourselves to ruthless nature and to abandon even our own authority over the outcomes of our own actions. Hence, it would seem, that the first step toward a new and rational economics is a courageous declaration of our freedom from tyranny of the insensate god of chance. Choice When a mechanic has decided upon an idea or principle as the basis of a proposed machine, he has exercised his rational freedom of choice. Regardless of whether his choice is wise or not, in this decision, he has placed definite limits upon the range of subsequent selection in regard to detail instrumentalities. Indeed, he has entered into an implied contract, assumed a rational responsibility, to employ only such means in the construction of his machine as, in accord with universal order, are appropriate to make effective his proposed mechanical contrivance, with failure as the penalty for willful or ignorant error, breach of his implied contract. History demonstrates conclusively that races, nations, civilizations, equally with individuals, are subject to the same rational limitations, are bound by the same responsibility, and incur the same penalty for willful or ignorant error in exercising their human freedom of choice. Our Last Warning The practical difficulties of forestalling the hazards of birth, of death, and of disaster are doubtless great and the problem of eliminating the chance element from our economic system is a man-sized job, with a slim probability of complete success. But it is reasonably certain, that if courage to make the needed change is lacking, or if our intelligence is insufficient for the task, our social adventure in democracy will prove a tragedy. And the World War is, I believe, our last warning. Laissez-faire. Nor may we drift, Laissez-faire is lazy fear, cowardly resubmission to the dog-eat-dog jungle law, right of might principle of nature, and of autocracy, from which our modern conscience has revolted. The Mechanic 
while caution bids us pause and realize that nature is ruthless in its punishment of ignorance and error courage remind us that nature also is infinitely lavish in its rewards for knowledge and intelligence and courage points to the practical mechanic as an exemplar and an object lesson for the social constructor mechanic versus nature the mechanic has courageously invaded nature's guarded realm has accepted her no quarter terms and has assumed complete responsibility for his revolt against all the ancient occult powers he has tacitly assumed that god and nature are supremely and preeminently self-sufficing that these all-inclusive profundities utterly transcend the utmost limits of his acts or his art that the plans of god and the mechanics problems cannot in any wise conflict he predicates that god and nature are limitlessly competent to care for their own infinite concerns hence that his problems involve only what the mechanic wants and not the wants of god in so far as concerns his art and with reverence for universal order which makes his art possible the mechanic in effect says this i will this i do i am the earth god of things of matter and of motion the mechanic's achievements and how gloriously has the mechanic made good even the most cursory survey of his accomplishments in manufacture in transportation in communication in reclamation in power utilization generally staggers while it exalts the mind has he not with wheat and corn from eastern steppe and western prairie and with fresh and wholesome meat from the antipodes fed the hungry workers of europe and brought from the four corners of the earth materials for their needs their uses and their industries yes and from the teeming estuaries of the north he has served the world's table with dainty fish and with wine and oil and luscious fruit from the fertile valleys of the pacific slope by his use of nature's forces he has immeasurably outrivaled imagination's magic carpet transporting by his mechanisms untold millions of work-weary families from cramped and life-worn areas to the free spaciousness of many wide-scattered edens of plenty there to found empires and more he has bound these broadcast settlements in bonds of mutual help with space-negating bands of steel and steam and on the one-time pathless ocean he has marked out highways with light and life of swift-moving commerce till in the uttermost ends of the earth friend greets friend as though but a mile from home seas no longer separate nor continents divide for man now walks with man as face to face across the soundless void as with a broom he has swept sullen ocean back to its deeps and bared netherlands fertile plains and with dike and mill and pump he holds his prize secure from angry wave and wind and shifting sand a prize indeed a rich and prosperous country of towns and villages of farms and homesteads all interlaced with road and rail and placid waterway a hive of human industry a kingdom snatched from ocean's grasp in torrid egypt too he has tamed the turgid nile to flood the desert sands and made thereof a nation's granary he has moved mountains split continents harnessed niagaras to his machines subdued the land triumphed over the sea and now seeks dominion of the air and east and west and north and south he has sluiced and swept with giant streams the high-piled gravels and ripped and smashed and ground to powder fine as from the mills of the gods mountains of crystalline quartz and dredged and ploughed and sifted the frozen arctic tundra to tear from the reluctant earth its golden treasure 
for counters wherewith to play man's worldwide commerce game. The Economist's Failure All this stupendous output of human experience, human reason, human industry, rivaling creation itself, is in startling contrast with our worldwide tragedy, the outcome of our worldwide economics. A contrast doubly significant, significant in the entire absence of chance, of mystery, of magic from the work of the mechanic, and again as expressing the practical extremes of glorious success and of failure most tragic. Selective Rejection The human mind, like the body, can advance only step by step, from the solid ground of the known and tested, to the doubtful footing of the unfamiliar. Human progress is like adventuring through a morass of ignorance, toward a far distant goal, with disaster the penalty for every false step. In the great adventure called human progress, the occult has proved a will-o'-wisp guide. Notwithstanding all the stupendous accomplishments, which characterize productive industry and the present era as the age of mechanics, the process which has brought it all about, is the same step-by-step, step, proof by experiment, scientific method. We can think of the new and unknown, only in terms of the old and familiar. Still, errors detected and fallacies perceived, are guides for inventive synthesis, construction. Selection is but a process of inverted rejection. So having determined that our ideal social structure is the antithesis of the autocratic ideal, we may with confidence assume that the characteristic elements of autocracy are inappropriate for our purpose. Thus by a process of selective rejection, we should arrive at economic expedience more in harmony with our social ideal. Democracy versus Anarchy Universal order is the keynote of modern science, and upon this orderliness of nature, scientific thinking is based. Hence, the much-abused phrases, human liberty, and human freedom, cannot imply anarchy or chaos, i.e. disorder. Liberty means absence of a rational restraint. Freedom of thought can have but self-imposed limitations. Social freedom simply means liberty for rational individual activity, tending to the accomplishment of community purpose. National Self-Determination When a nation, exercising its freedom of choice, discards autocracy and selects democracy as its social principle, it cannot successfully retain the working elements of the discarded social organization. If it is to survive, it must adopt ways and means and methods of life, in consonance with its chosen principle. Our Feudal Experiment The United States, like a novice in mechanics, has seemingly undertaken the feudal experiment of building an industrial democracy out of the functional elements of predatory autocracy. The natural result is noise, friction, and heat. And worse, a dangerously large proportion of our energy is wastefully expended, in constant readjustment to keep the outfit running, and to prevent its pounding itself into scrap. Practically the whole of our economic and financial system is a leftover from the days when absolutism and privilege were universally accepted ideas and ideals, and when magic causation was an unquestioned fact. Quite naturally, our economic customs, conventions, and laws are in keeping with those antiquated assumptions. Substantially our economics is a vestige, and as with other vestiges, like our veriform appendix, it is now functionally useless, and frequently causes much unnecessary pain and trouble, 
which sooner or later may end in tragedy. Not all bad. While, in the foregoing, there is no real cause for pessimism, there is even less reason for happy-go-lucky optimism. Mentally reviewing this matter, there appear several implications which stand out clearly as definite practical suggestions for economic reconstruction. Suggestions for Reconstruction First, that chance means ignorance. The elimination of even the crudely obvious chance factors from our laws, customs, and economic conventions would do away with much rank injustice in our social functioning. Second, that the onward flow of time is not reversible. The future cannot help the present. A clear appreciation and practical application of this seemingly axiomatic proposition would go far to remedy the grosser evils of capitalistic economics and strip money and credit of their conventionally endowed time-reversing magic. In every physical human accomplishment, there are involved but three factors or elements. Raw material, nature's free gift, human time, human energy. Every product, food, clothing, housing, transportation facilities, or whatnot, represents a definite amount of past human time and past human energy, gone beyond recall. Neither by ghostly hands, nor by flibber-gib financial conventions, can future work or future product be yanked back into the present, to be used for present purposes, or to meet present emergencies, even if self-respect and common honesty did not suffice, to prevent such inexcusable camouflaged robbery of the helpless, the quintessence of taxation without representation. Third, that cause and effect, not whim, is the order of nature's processes. Science shows us that so far as man is concerned, nature is infinite possibilities, possibilities realizable in terms of individual and collective purposes. We can, if we will, providing our aims and objectives are in accord with the rational order of nature. It is only in purposive action that human freedom, self-determination, is expressed. An aimless man or a purposeless nation is an equally insignificant fragment of raw material in nature's evolutionary and devolutionary processes. But, knowledge of nature and of nature's laws, coordinated by human intelligence in rationally purposive actions, have all of nature's infinite potentialities and stupendous forces as tools to facilitate accomplishment. Purposive Coordination Obviously the control of our great national workshop, the United States, should not be in the hands of selfish Mr. Acquisitive Cunning, who knows the price of everything and the value of nothing, facile only in getting something for nothing, and whose highest social ideal is to buy cheap and sell dear, but, in reason, in common horse sense, our purposive industrial democracy should be guided and directed by nationally organized and coordinated specialists in all the branches of skill, technology, and science which are involved in its social life and requisite to the successful accomplishment of its great national objective. Fernwald, Berkeley, February 1919 Is the onward flow of time reversible by human convention? End of Technocracy, Section 3